Hello and welcome to Money Chill Out, the podcast to inspire and feel good about your money. I'm Marika Fino, a woman in my 30s, ex-trader in the city of London, a yoga teacher and the owner of my financial empowerment business. On this podcast, I want to open up the discussion around money and investments and dive into personal finance management, which can be a great liberator, but also a huge stress factor in our lives. Every other week, I'll be joined by guests for conversation on money, mindset, investment habits, and any best practices they abide by. So join me on this journey as we unpick the complexities of finance and get more comfortable talking about our money. You too can get financial peace of mind and it starts with empowerment and knowledge. Let's go. Hi, Abigail. How are you? Hello, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, super good. Thank you. It's been actually just a year since we met in Lisbon. Uh, we had a great coffee, great chat. And since then, it's been absolutely crazy year for you. So if I say, but you, you're the founder of Elent and you teach finance in schools. In a year, your business has literally exploded with social media. You're about to pad the 100,000 followers on Instagram. You've been featured on, on lots of different newspapers, Sky News, Bazaar. You've actually won your first awards as founder of the year at the SL Awards. I mean, it's been crazy, right? <laughs> it has been so crazy. If I think back to a year ago, I think the day we met was actually raining, but the rest of the time <laughs> I had Lisbon was like gorgeous sunshine. And I am very much missing it now because I am very, very cold. I even said to you just a minute ago, can I go and get a jumper? <laughs> yeah, true. So can you tell us a bit about Ellen and its commission? So Ellen is my company that I founded two and a half years ago now. And it was all around giving people the financial education I never received at school. And I constantly was asking why, why are we not taught this at school? Why are we still not being taught it now? Whose job is it? How should we be doing it? And then I realized that what I wanted there to be in the world just didn't exist. And so I created Ellen. Ellen, actually, the business name stands for elegant and intelligent. It's just the culmination mm. of the two words. And it's because to me, I wanted to create a business that was elegant and feminine, but also respected and intelligent. And like we provided education that meant something to people and actually helped them in their lives. So yeah, I think one of my original kind of missions was to eradicate the gender pay gap, which probably a bit naive of me at the time, but <laughs> it was just go bold or go home. And now it's about the financial education that I wish I'd received giving to absolutely everybody. No one's off limits. Sounds good. Love that. And I love the name behind it as well. So, so who is your target audience and, and what have you noted that they'd need most? So when it comes to Ellen, we actually have a few different channels, two main channels. So we have the school stuff we do. So I go into schools and deliver financial education workshops to the next generation. And in that respect, those young people, so from year one, which is age six, to year 13, age 18, in the UK, those years groups, and they very much you know, they're impressionable. They're like sponges. They're just desperate for knowledge. And they also want to tell you what they already know, which is brilliant. And it's just about harnessing that money and finance conversation so that it doesn't become the taboo that then leads me into our second audience, which is the people that I speak to on my Instagram, for instance, like you kindly said about my followers on Instagram. They are mainly between the ages of 25 and 44, which are this big 
generation of people that missed out at school didn't have it. And now they're looking for it because they're not sure where they should go for the information, who's credible, who's not, you know, how, what should they know? Because for often when it comes to finance and money, we don't know what we don't know. We don't know the questions to ask until someone says, did you know about pensions? And, or did you understand that your national insurance then affects your state pension? Things like that. I think those are like my target audiences really is like those next generations to support the future of our world. And then the older generation, well, I'm in that 25, 44, so I won't count them as older, but the older generation that deserve still to have that education that didn't have it before. Mm -hmm. And there's one thing that you said, which I found so important is that, as you said, when you don't know, you don't know. And just knowing what's out there, what's knowing what's possible to do, what's feasible, that's awareness and that's probably one of the first steps so and how are you divided between the two or where did you dedicate most time youngest or with that 2544 that's a really good question when I started it was very much with the next generation and then I realized that like I said my kind of target audience on Instagram and social media were calling and they were asking me more they were expecting more of me and so it's kind of shifted But I wouldn't say it's gone completely the other way. We're almost getting to this like 50-50 mark where I'm devoting as much time as I can to that next generation. But I'm also able through the power of social media to help generation that grew up with these kind of limiting beliefs that said, you know, money's the root of all evil or like money can't buy you happiness, which, you know, we all understand the crux of these things. But actually what they do is create like a negative mindset that then leads this generation to think, okay, well, I can't talk about money. I shouldn't talk about money. And then they don't ever get out of that. And then they don't know, like we said, we're going back around. They don't know what they don't know. So I think it's kind of a 50-50 split now. But I do find the next generation are much more open to the conversation, whereas our generation and older kind of hide a little bit away from it until it's kind of thrown in their face. <laughs> <laughs> Super interesting. <laughs> I'm not this surprised. So with that vi- increased visibility, what have you changed or continued doing? I've continued to be just education. I think with the increased visibility with social media, there has been kind of this ask of me to bring more of myself in and actually they want and people say, oh, do like behind the scenes, tell us how you do this or what you're wearing today. And for me, we could do that. Like you might get a few more followers in a different bracket. But for me, I have to always remind myself to go back to just the crux of education, like financial education. That's all I'm here for. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. I'm just here that if you don't quite understand tax codes, you should be able to come to my page and quickly find a video of me explaining it simply. It's never going to be 20 minutes on the history of a tax. It's just going to be the nuances and the little bits you need to get by. So yeah, there has been definitely a kind of sway to me doing more than just finance. But for me, it's always been about going back to the root. And I think also, I like to keep all of my videos super relatable, super down to earth. And I had this rule years ago that I just kept by, which is I, if I can't explain it to a young person, then I don't know it well enough. And also 
if I wouldn't be proud to show a video that I'm about to put on social media to a young person, and I even mean like six-year-olds, then I shouldn't be putting it on social media. So therefore for me, like no swear words, no jargon that's not explained, that kind of thing is really important for me. Yeah, I like the mentality. And I like as well the fact that you know yourself and that you actually do what you're really good at or what you want to do. So, And uh, why that need or that fierce advocation for financial education? I was always a child that was frustrated with injustice. I, you know, since as long back as I can remember, I would always asking why. I was probably a teacher's worst nightmare. Nothing was as simple as explain it to her and she'll get it. It was always, but why? But why? And I think for me, I am an accountant by profession and I went into accountancy because I honestly wanted to change the world. I said, I said in my university application that I was going to be you know, the first female accountant to like make massive change. And I was never, and I I got quite far in my career and realized I wasn't actually making any change. I was kind of going through the motions. So I looked back and thought about what still angers me. And it was like the inequality gaps, like the gender pay gap and the gender pension gap. And for me, it the answer seemed so simple. If you want to eradicate the pay gap, you finan- you create financially empowered women just made complete sense to me. And then again, like I said before, why was no one doing this? And so I thought, oh, right, no one's doing it. I'm just going to roll up my sleeves and give it a go. There are obviously, just a caveat, some other incredible women like yourself and many others around the world doing like their job to help. But for me, it was more about going to that next generation. That's where I started. I was like, right, what if we can create like a new generation that don't ever say, I wish I was taught this at school because they were? that would be really cool. And I'd love to be a part of that. And so I suppose that's where it came from, really. Just like my injustice of never being taught it at school, never having the privilege of learning that before I had to through my own qualification. Because even accountants, even we don't always know everything, but we do. We should know quite a bit about finance. So if you can pass that knowledge on, you should. Yeah, I like the reasoning behind it. And I can feel the passion. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone says that to me. And I'm starting to wonder if it's something I'm like doing because someone's like, oh, you're so passionate. And I think it's, I just get really excited like a child. No, I think, yeah, you feel it. It's good. It's a good way. (laughs) So over all these years, so two and a half, being surrounded by kids, what have you noticed in terms of their financial literacy? They very, very quickly jump to two questions, which is one, how do I become rich? And two, what is crypto? That is literally, honestly, I wish I could tell you that was just year 13. So just those older years as well. It's not, it's a lot of them. And my response usually to the first is, okay, well, define what rich means. Because what rich means to me might be very different to what rich means to you. And then you see their eyes like, fall back because they're like I don't know they just think they want to be rich because they hear the word rich and then that falls back into that kind of money mindset again and then with the crypto conversation I say okay do you often sometimes I'll say like do you actually have a bank account yet especially when I'm talking to a year five who might be like nine ten eleven they'll say oh well no and I'm like okay should we start with the basics first before we start like dive straight into investing especially crypto But I think what's really important with crypto is to provide education. Again, like everything, you know, I'm not saying no. I'm not saying you shouldn't touch it because I think you'll just then create a whole next generation that are desperate to touch crypto. 
But I say, okay, do you understand what crypto means? And do you understand that the full word is cryptocurrency? It is a currency. It's not a share. Because a lot of them say, oh, well, it's a share in crypto. It's not. You're buying a coin. And when you explain to them that it's about as glamorous as buying a pound coin, it doesn't, it's, it kind of loses its sparkle. And you actually, it's not as cool anymore. Because I think social media has done an incredible job of making crypto look cool which is what, as a, when we were all young, everyone wanted to be cool. Like everyone wanted to be doing what everyone else was doing effectively or what the cool people were doing. And social media did a really, really good job of bringing kind of investing into the forefront of young people's minds, which in some ways is good. But with cryptocurrency, it can be incredibly risky. It can be, it's incredibly complex. You know, I've been at tech conferences like time and time again where they're talking about the Web3 and they, even the experts still can't understand or explain the nuances of cryptocurrency. So if the experts can't explain it, I just think sometimes you need to just do your research, do your education. So yeah, with young people, I would go back to your question is, it's always how to be rich and how can I invest in cryptocurrency or what cryptocurrency do you invest in? They're very nosy young people. They want to know everything about you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they need to identify themselves, I guess. But it's good as well, because in some way, they're aware of what's happening, but then they need more education to actually go deeper into each concept. But fair enough, they're young. And on your social media then, or with your education at school, what is the tone that you want to show? Because money, especially for some, can be a bit serious. Some others, yeah, they find it boring. So how do you want to empower them with the money and, and shifting the narrative around it? For me, I wanted to just keep it really educational. So like you were chatting to a friend, I used to say like, I want to be your finance best friend. And then as my followers grew, I realized I couldn't have 100,000 best friends. So we've had to change slightly as we've grown because our quality of our footage has to be better. And like our response to people has to be immediate almost, etc. So I would say when it came to what I wanted to show, I wanted to show like quality, not all accountants are the same as well, because I am an accountant and therefore I'm very proud to be one, but that we can be relatable. We can be relaxed. We don't all, we're not all stuffy. And <laughs> yeah, the education is the same as that. Like I should be able to explain it to you clearly. You should be able to understand after hearing my education, but it shouldn't be biased. It shouldn't be personal I just think also that's the other thing some people there's a huge space for giving your personal stories into the fold when it comes to explaining and educating the next generation and everyone else but I think with my personal Instagram I try to keep it very unpersonal because then it helps you visualize yourself in that topic so when I talk about state pensions I don't talk about my own experience I talk about yours or everyone's experience to help you feel like it this is your personal Instagram for you for you to get your education from so yeah for me it would be about keeping the personal out but keeping myself relatable and I think at the beginning I used to laugh like some of my really old videos please don't scroll back to them now are um <laughs> I look so scared in the video I look petrified I look so uncomfortable because I used to spend hours recording like a minute video because I would re-record it, re-record it, re-record it. You know, if I got a tiny word slightly wrong or I like even hiccuped or something, I would re-record the entire thing and try and stay super serious. Whereas now I just 
go and I get the team to kind of chat to me whilst I'm recording and I say right give me your questions and I'm just going to answer them to you and and I if I if I mess up I go right sorry hold on this is what I mean to say and it just feels like it feels like you're having a chat with your friend Mm -mm, much more natural and that's probably what works as well because they actually see you as a normal person as (laughs) someone like so Accountants are normal people. We are. Uh, we are a rare breed to be as chatty as I am, but we are there to help as well. And I think there is often a misconception that we're not there to help. And actually, I want to kind of just change that narrative. Mm-hmm. And you're talking a lot about videos. Is it the medium you're using most or do you use post or what works what best with a young audience? For me, it's video. So I'm actually um, really dyslexic. I got diagnosed with dyslexia when I was in my late teens. And it kind of, it was a bit of a, oh yeah, that makes sense moment. Because I find writing quite tricky. I love to read, but do find that tricky. I have quite severe dyslexia and it affects, you can see it most visibly or yeah, you can see it most obviously when I write. So when I found video as a medium and kind of audio, it's my element because I can chat all day long. I am the proud daughter of a hairdresser who can chat for Britain as well. So I kind of have that nature in me to be able to talk through education, but not necessarily to write it. So yeah, for me, I often use video format, be that on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and my posts on like LinkedIn are very, very short often because I don't want to get anything wrong. (laughs) Yeah, sounds good. And one of your videos actually went absolutely viral. It was about reading a payslip, which again, seems like basic, but actually I listened to it. Of course, I watched it and I learned a few things, even myself. (laughs) So can you tell us more? Of course. Yeah. So the video that went viral, yeah, it's on 1.8 million views now, which is like, it's just bonkers. And it was on the three things to know about your payslip. And the biggest one that led to the most conversation was the tax code. So understanding your tax code. And the reason I think it just hit with people is I posted it at a really specific time. It wasn't an accident. I posted it around payday. So everyone has it in their mind. Payslips pretty much affect what 90% of people, especially though obviously employed, even if you're not employed, you kind of want to understand the nuances of them. And with tax codes, everyone's got one. So whether you've got one that means you're getting the full personal allowance and by personal allowance, I mean the amount of income you can earn before you pay tax or you're getting none, you want to understand what's going on, why you're being taxed a certain amount. Because, you know, tax feels like a very frustrating, inevitable thing we have to do. But if you can gain some power back by understanding why and how much exactly you're paying, it can feel so much more rewarding and then you'd feel more empowered. And I think, like I said in the video, like even just doing one thing a month by checking your pace, it can make you feel so much more empowered to make better financial decisions throughout your life. You know, if you feel confident enough to read your pace, it, where does it end? You know, you read it next, you could start investigating your pensions. You could start making some more financially savvy decisions with your own savings. You know, there's, it's a one small shift that can shift a lot in your own mindset. But yeah, the tax code thing for me, like I ended up um, through social, ended up started doing presenting, which is something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to present on telly. And I got the opportunity to do it on this morning, which is like a TV show in the UK. And it was brilliant. And I think I was referred to as the queen of tax codes because (laughs) I just talk about it constantly. And I said to everyone in the comments, like put your tax code below and I can try and help you understand it. And yeah, it just hit. And I think a lot of people 
felt like it just really resonated and it really educated them. Mm. No, it's super powerful. And as you said, everybody has one, so you'd better understand everybody that there. Yeah. And so you're educating on a wide range of topics from budgeting techniques to student loans to pensions, as we said. What's your favorite theme? I think I should probably say tax codes, but I'm going to say pensions because pensions, I actually think for some people, they don't work which is very controversial because usually as an accountant, we should be beating the drum that everyone should have a private pension, that you should make sure you've got enough years in your state pension and that this is the only way to succeed in your future. Well, for many people, the state pension is a good thing and they can rely upon it to give them extra money from the government. Their workplace pensions are good because their employer has to also contribute. So you've got that bonus of the fact that someone else is putting into your future as well. But with pensions, they are so broad that there is a world where for some people, it may be better to do something else, i.e. it might be better to invest your money because you might be better at investing than your pension provider because pensions are effectively investments. So the reason I like pensions as a topic so much is because I can be so on the fence with it and it can be so unique. And whereas with tax codes, like there are generally like right and wrongs with tax codes. Like if you are on the wrong tax code, you're on the wrong tax code. Like it's not a nuanced thing. It is what it is. With pensions, it's like broad and like I, it gives me the opportunity to have really fun conversations with people because I think if whichever way they sit, I can sit on the opposite side of the fence and like have a discussion with them. That's the reason I think I like pensions like the most, which is hilarious really, because I think if you, if someone said they like pensions, probably because they think that pensions are the only thing you should have. But I don't believe that. I just think they're a really good discussion point with finance. Mm. And on top, as you said, you build up a long time before you can actually draw on it. So it's probably with real estate, one of your biggest assets that you own. So very important to actually look at it. Very, very important. And if you are someone with a pension or you've got multiple pensions, you know, you need to keep track. You need to keep an eye on what's going on. Don't just take for granted that it's doing okay. You know, like we could have this conversation. We could have an entire podcast just on pensions. You've got many, but it's Yeah, I just find them the most interesting because they can bring up the most debate. And I think finance and money, it's rarely room for debate. It's very much, it is what it is. These are the rules. Whereas at least in pensions, I can go back to those days when I was in school and I can be like, but why? But why? (laughs) It'd be very, um, always asking more questions. Yeah, like it. And um, I'd like to finish with a few questions. The first one I'm thinking of is, about money management what does it mean for you well money management means being relaxed every day that I have enough money to cover my minimum expenses you know it could I could be very philosophical about this but that is money management for me you know being able to manage the money I do have coming in that it's going to support me facilitate my needs that kind of thing. I think it's, I don't think it needs to be deeper than that, especially not for me when I educate people on it. We don't, money management doesn't mean being an accountant or knowing everything you need to possibly know about investing. It's just about getting by on what you have and can you do that? Is that possible? 
And I like the fact that you kind of demystify as well, simplify the concept, because as you said, we can be super hands-on and, and being so hands-on, actually, a lot of people would be put off. I don't have time. I don't want to spend the time. I don't have the energy for that. But actually just knowing what's in, what's out, what you can afford. Yeah, it's pretty simple, but it's actually super powerful. Mm. And uh, what would be one advice for people in their 20s to do with their money? So I would say if I was speaking to 20-year-old Abigail, which it's a little while ago, I would say (laughs) I wish I could have said to her, please automate some savings into either an investment pot or at least the minimum a savings pot. Because I used to be one of those people that would, you know, if I had some more money at the end of the month from my job and I had money left over and I'd been paid again, I would put the hundred pounds I had left over into the savings pot. And then the next month, maybe I didn't have any. So I just didn't put anything into the savings. And then the following month, maybe I went over and I took 50 pounds out, which was even worse. But Yeah, for me, it would have been if I could have just automated, you know, even a minimum of like 50 pounds in somewhere else that I couldn't touch as well. That's the other thing, because it's all well and good setting up savings accounts. But if you can touch them just as easily as you put them in, (laughs) it's a recipe for disaster. I was, you know, when you're 20, it's very hard to see long term. You know, it is. I was there. It's very hard to think, oh, well, this will benefit me at 55 because you think, well, I don't care about that. I care about owning another outfit now not like the future so yeah i think i would say to 20 year old abby please automate some savings into a pot you can't touch because 30 year old abby would really appreciate it but she didn't do that so for if anyone else is thinking <laughs> i'm 20 right now please do as i say and not as i do <laughs> and i think it's super powerful it's been proven by research actually that if you put money on the side first day of the month when you actually get your pay is going to be much more efficient and the amount that you can actually put aside would be much bigger than if you just wait. So it's a concept of paying yourself first and again, very, very useful. Cool. And last question, what is next for Ellen? Oh God, what isn't next? (laughs) So we are going to be pushing forward with more social media content constantly. We're constantly thinking of new videos to create for people. I do this thing called Finance Fridays with Foster. Obviously, I'm Abby Foster. And I answer people's questions. But what we do with the ones that we can't answer when I run out of time is put them all in a long list and create reels out of them. So videos. So more video content across Instagram, TikTok, you know, going and doing more video content elsewhere. I would love to beat my target of... So I want to deliver financial education to 40,000 students in the next year. And I'd love to smash that target, you know, we want to expand the team, build tech. Honestly, there. this is the thing. When you start building <laughs> on a business like this, you can go so many ways. I'd love to write a book. I'd love to do many things. But yeah, for me personally, it's just about more of me. You know, I'm hoping to do more like TV and radio stuff myself. But then for the business itself, we're just all here for financial education and working with some incredible people as well to like bring awareness to other other people and what other people are doing in their space but also brands that are doing some incredible work as well love that so many opportunities so many possibilities so many projects uh, it's going like everywhere but it's so nice to hear the dynamism and 
yeah, everything is possible, right? So exactly, it is possible. I don't know when I think I've invented these extra hours, though. I I'm already <laughs> I already get up early as it is, and sometimes I think I say all of this, promise all of this, and then I'm like, when are you going to find the time? But you just make it work, don't you? I'm very I'm I feel incredibly lucky. I I get to do a job that I love, which for some years I I did love my companies and the people I worked with, but I couldn't always say that I was in love with my job. Whereas now as much as it is stressful, it's not easy. I do. I am in love with my job, which is a nice feeling. And a person, the best. Yeah. So thank you so much, Abby. Thank you for your wise advice. Thank you for sharing, as you said, your mission, your passion. Thank you for yeah the energy. I can really feel it from here. So <laughs> you're so welcome. I absolutely love this. You, I think you're amazing. This has always been one of those like vision board podcasts. I always think you're just fabulous and no. you do so well. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Take care, my dear. Bye. So that's the end of this episode. I hope you're as enthusiastic as I am. You can find the notes and the key takeaways on my website, marigafino.com. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and spread the words. Thank you.